came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. Well, we have a great show for you today. We have uh, uh, former Governor David Patterson. We have con- former Congressman Peter King. Alphonse D'Amato, he is mad as hell as what's going on in Washington and uh, with the Trump Organization. Eric Schuffler on baseball. Well, Staten Island is almost in first place, the only New York team to be almost in first place. And let's start off the show with Michael Stoller on Real Estate Report. Good morning, this is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I have one of the most active developers in the city of New York, Jeff Levine, who is the chairman of the Douglaston Companies, which include Douglaston Development, Levine Builders, Clinton Management, and a couple of other entities. Jeff, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, Jeff, you are a vertically integrated company. Explain to me what that means. Well, as you know, we are developers, and as developers, we also have a wholly owned construction entity, Levine Builders, as well as a wholly owned property management entity, Levine Builders. So we construct it, we develop it, and we manage it. Okay. With all the life cycles and the periods that you've seen, how would you compare this cycle to the past recessions and the other cycles that have taken place in the past 45 years that you've been in business? I often say that being in the real estate development business is not for everybody. Obviously, the cycles can take many of us, and as Warren Buffett often says, the downturns can tell you who's swimming naked. The reality is that I have seen downturns ranging from the savings and loan scandals of 86 to the results of the terrorist attacks of 9-11 in 2001, on to Lehman, on to COVID, and now most recently, in addition to the bank failures we've just seen, the fact of the matter is the finance markets have simply left the building. Now, you've recently secured financing for a couple of projects. Let's talk about the financing. Absolutely. So we are active in New York City in a number of various uh, enterprises. We do quite a bit of affordable housing and have worked extensively with the various agencies of New York, whether it be HBD, HDC, EDC, or the State Housing Finance Agency. And we are producing both low-income housing, senior housing, affordable housing of all types, as well as housing for homeless and shelters. We are also active in the mixed income category where we just completed one of our largest projects, which was 311 11th Avenue over at the Hudson Yards. Now, because of the very high interest rates we're experiencing, rents have been moving up appreciably because people are choosing in this environment not to buy but to rent. So we've rented over 70% of that building in the first 10 months at rents that approach $100 a foot, which are virtually the high watermark for New York City. In connection with the jobs we have recently closed, we were able to purchase a property on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn 
which has the benefit of the affordable New York 421A, which gives you a tax abatement in consideration with delivering roughly 30% of the units affordably. This was a project that we bought, which has a time clock of expiration because you have to complete it by June of 26 in accordance with the regulations, and we are actively building it. It was a tough closing because we closed the deal going into the summer. If you recall, at the end of May, you had not only the debt ceiling limit problem, you also had the failure of the banks as well as rising interest rates. So needless to say, lending institutions were getting a little bit squeamish, but we were fortunate to close it because we are in the business over 45 years. We have an unblemished track record, and we were working with some very good quality institutions, specifically Wells Fargo and M&T Bank. We are in the ground with that one, and we are closing other affordable projects at this time as well. You're doing a lot of senior housing. Explain to me and my audience what you, what you mean by senior housing. Well, there's a wide gamut of senior housing. I'm talking in about the, in New York. Our senior housing basically is comprised of two types. We build under HUD financing the 202 seniors, very often in association with not-for-profits. And then we also build the SARA project, which is a state finance method for building seniors at low income. We recently completed one such project in the Seaview section of Staten Island. We're about to begin another as soon as we can close. We are also partnered in the RFP that was held by the state for the Vital Brooklyn program. We have a partnership with Breaking Ground where we'll be building over 1 million square feet, which will include not only low-income housing under the Ella program, but senior housing under the SARA program, as well as supportive and and shelter housing. Now, what type of income can these people have to be in these programs to get an an affordable? Very typically, the low-income projects run anywhere from 40 to 80% of AMI. AMI is what, 108,000? Depending upon the number of people in the family, it can be as little as 75, as I recall, and as high as 100 for a larger family. What about uh, your thoughts with regard to how our governor and mayor are working on uh, well, well, taking no care of this? Question. There's no question that both our mayor, Eric Adams, and our governor, Kathy Hochul, are showing leadership in the housing area, both of whom are singing the right song and indicating that we have a housing problem and the way to get out of the housing problem is to build into it. They need some help, though, from our city council as well as our state assembly and state senate. And I think people are starting to get clearer heads on how to proceed. It's not easy to be a developer and successful operator for 45 years, but I'd like to thank Jeff Levine for being here. Thanks again. Thank you. With us today is retired Governor David Patterson, and he has a lot of knowledge of what the heck is going on in New York City, New York State, our country, and he always makes big news. Uh, Governor Patterson... Uh, what's on your mind this Sunday morning? Well, this is something that does go on in our city, our state, and our country, and it's that the political divide has become so exponential that people don't trust anything uh, that others of a different political persuasion believe in. So, for instance, you've got people questioning the judgment of a court. You've got uh people questioning the discretion of a district attorney, and you've got this on both sides. And it is driving, I think, our country further and further apart from each other. It's going to 
be difficult to have Thanksgiving dinner anywhere this year because it just seems to get worse and worse. And I really uh, fear for, for the uh, peril of Americans if we this, uh, continue to allow this to go on. I, I, was, I was being told by a friend uh, that uh, 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 friends came over to her house and there was a, p- a picture of, of her and President uh, Trump and she looked at it, she left. She didn't want to be friends anymore. Wow. Wow. I mean, what's happening to us, uh, Governor? Well, that's exactly what, I, what I'm talking about, is that there's, there's no respect for someone else's differing point of view or their feelings about a particular political subject, and it's manifesting itself, and it's just going to create, really, what's going to be anarchy in this country and chaos, where people think if uh, elections lost and their candidate didn't win, that they can take any action uh, to try to reverse the, the uh, situation. And, um, and now, you know, it's just gotten to the point where it has basically infected both of the political parties' leadership and is really a crucible for uh, people right here in New York where it goes on. Governor, you were a Democratic governor, and uh, things were a lot more civilized uh, uh, when you were, other than uh, uh, you getting in trouble for accepting the Yankee tickets uh, for even though you couldn't see the game. Uh, and they lost that game, too. Oh, my God. They, they, <laughs> they verbally told you that. Uh, tell us, uh, where is the Democratic Party? President Biden uh, uh, is going to be 82 years old or something. Uh, is he? Is the Democratic Party in a? He's having some problems, and some people are are trying to run against him. Robert Kennedy or Newsom from California, uh, even uh, Governor Murphy from New Jersey said the, that if, uh, if President Biden does not run, he may want to run. Um, Give us a scoreboard and what your feelings are. You talk to a lot of people. You have national presence. So the president says he's running for re-election, and uh, he has a right to do that. I don't think that the number of his age is reflective either for him or for anyone else of what kind of service they could actually bring. But certainly uh, right now, at, at this particular point, he's got the situation... Uh, with the migrants, not just in New York City, but all over the country where the migrants are being sent. And these municipalities do not have the wherewithal to stand it. Also, they were placed there uh, immediately, and there was no time to even plan for that kind of situation. And so I think that that uh, makes other Democrats a little weary of whether or not that kind of policy might drive Democrats away from, uh, you know, from the Democratic candidates, as we saw it happen in in the past, where issues of crime or issues of overcrowded neighborhoods with uh, new people in the country have swayed elections. And so I think that's where a lot of the, uh, you know, fear is coming from. And I think if the president wants to run free election, he's entitled to do that. you know, until such time as he's beaten, he's the president. But certainly there is, I think, kind of a clamor, uh, you know, on the lower frequencies of the party where people are 
wondering how we're going to, you know, try to maintain the, uh, our positions in Congress and the U.S. Senate, as well as try to uh, preserve the presidency in 2024. Uh, in New York, uh, Governor, uh, uh, Mayor Adams has uh, asked uh, Governor Hochul to, to force other counties to take migrants in because uh, New York City, the five boroughs are getting overcrowded. Uh, Nassau Suff and Suffolk has said no way. Uh, Staten Island is revolting. Um, what do you think Governor Hochul is going to do? Well, Governor Hochul is right when she says that she can't, by executive order, just start uh, moving people in and out of particular areas that she needs with her the support of the New York State Senate and the New York State Assembly. Now, what's interesting is I would have thought that since both of those uh, bodies are run by Democrats, that they would be more than happy to uh, create a situation where the distribution of the migrants in New York was a little more fair and equitable, particular in a lot of, particularly in a lot of upstate regions where there would be a lot more space. Also, I think if they could ever just get to the point where they let the, the migrants work, you'll find out that many of them uh, can hold jobs and many of them can be part of the economy rather than being, uh, you know, kind of uh, having their life stewarded by the state right now. So I think that this is the point that Governor Hochul is trying to make. But at the same time, uh, Mayor Adams is complaining the way uh, – other mayors of municipalities around the country are that they just don't have the resources. They hung on as long as they could. M Mayor Adams has been blamed because he welcomed the migrants at first, and, and they're sort of saying, well, since you welcome them, now it's your problem. No, he welcomed them, and he has come to recognize, as everyone else in the country is, that there's only a certain amount of charity that you can bring before you have really... Uh, uh, started to affect the quality of life for your constituents if you continue to do it. And that's why the migrant situation now at about 110,000, Mayor Adams predicts it's going to go up to 160,000. So unless somebody does something soon, it's going to get worse. It's out of control and people are starting to get angry, Governor. Uh, anything uh, Sunday morning, uh, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to tell the uh, American people or the uh, people of New York? Well, you know, I thought it was um, very interesting this week. The Republicans have now had their first uh, debate, and I thought the debate was very inspiring. I mean, it was not boring for the time that, that I watched it. And what I thought was particularly interesting is that there's always a candidate um, that uh, ignites, uh, a, you know, a, a passionate reaction. And so when uh, Governor Christie and, um, and uh, former Vice President Pence really gave it to the uh, gentleman who was 38 years old and trying to run for president, uh, I thought those exchanges were, were uh, primetime TV specials. They were great. And uh, G Governor Christie, uh, as our friend Mark Simone <laughs> says, was kind of like the Ralph Cramden of New Jersey when he, uh, uh, you know, uh, voiced his displeasure at uh, a new candidate that really isn't, uh, you know, seasoned in the party, came into the race. But that's part of presidential races. There have been a number of new candidates. There was a senator from uh, uh, 
Chicago who won the presidency after only being there for two years. One named Lincoln in 1860 and one named Obama in 2008. So these these types of candidates coming from out of nowhere can capture the excitement of the public and do very well. You're absolutely right. I forgot Lincoln and President Obama, a United States senators, very short time, and then they became president. Well, uh, Governor Patterson, thank you for everything uh, you do, and thank you for speaking up for uh, all New Yorkers and all Americans, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Well, John, every place I go, people tell me, I hear you with John Katzmatidis, and who's he having one next week? And so you've uh, really created a little fervor around the city, and it's welcomed. Well, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America. And I hope we have a civilized situation between Democrats and Republicans. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is uh, former Congressman Peter King, and uh, he's with us every Sunday to tell us what the heck is going on in our city, our state, our country, and... uh, uh, Congressman King, uh, what's on your mind this Sunday morning? John, I thought the uh, d- uh, debates the other night, on Wednesday night, the Republican debate, uh, was really full of energy. I mean, Donald Trump wasn't there, and I think that was a smart decision on his part. I think he had nothing to gain by being there. But what it also did, it gave the other uh, candidates uh, some oxygen. Because uh, usually when Donald Trump's in the room, all the oxygen goes with him. Uh, and I thought, uh, again, it was very lively, very energetic. I thought the person who, to me, made the best impression, certainly for the general election, uh, was uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, She seemed to have a good mastery of foreign policy. She was addressing the abortion issue in a way that I think is both pro-life and yet is not going to uh, uh, get people as excited as they may have been otherwise. I think she showed herself able to handle herself on the stage, and she had a very attractive way about her as far as getting the argument out. She was forceful when she had to be. She smiled when it was appropriate. So I, I think Nikki Haley emerged. If for some reason Donald Trump is not the nominee, and, you know, we don't know, even though he's way ahead right now, we don't know what the cumulative, cumulative effects of all of these uh, indictments is going to be. So far, each indictment has made him stronger. Whether that prevails over the next six, eight months, we don't know. And I think if anyone last night showed, them, showed themselves ready to uh, uh, break away from the pack. It was Nikki Haley. But anyway, I just thought it was a very lively and very informed debate. Uh, to me, they all acted in a very respectable way, a respected way. And even Asa Hutchinson, who's down the bottom, and the governor of North Dakota, uh, all of them showed, you know, to me, they showed they were quality people. But the other issue who, is... Who, know, would you think was a, who would you think is a top three or four? I thought Mike Pence did very well, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think there's so much opposition from the Trump camp. So even though I think he did well, I don't think it's going to help him much. I think Vivek, uh, uh, whoever he pronounces his name, uh, Ramaswamy, I thought uh, he did well. I think he maybe though like more of a flash in the pan the way Buttigieg was or uh, Ben Carson was several years ago. Andrew uh, Yang. The longer he's out there. What's that? He reminded me of Andrew Yang. Yeah, okay, that's it. That's an example. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's obviously a smart guy. And, you know, this Very is American smart. dream. He's, uh, yes. You know, he's an immigrant who is now a uh, incredibly rich and uh, young guy. So, no, he has a lot going for him. But I think that uh, as he, 
the longer he's there, I think his position can fade a bit. But he definitely showed himself, you know, he deserved to be on the stage. Uh, I thought Ron DeSantis was going to do more. Uh, if you didn't know who he was, I don't know how much attention you would have paid to him last night. He was kind of robotic, I thought. He wasn't bad. He didn't make any mistakes. But he didn't show any reason that, you, that he would break away from the pack. And uh, so he, even though he's probably running second in most of the polls, I don't think he added to any of that last night. Uh, Chris Christie, again, I was expecting more from Chris Christie. He, uh, I thought he was going to be more energetic coming out. I think Tim Scott looked good uh, in the way he handled himself, and he's a very smart guy. I have a great regard for uh, Tim Scott. I uh, uh, worked with him when he was in, in the House, and I really admired the work he's done in the Senate. So he'll do great. It's hard to judge the governor of North Dakota. He's really debating on one leg, and he seems to do seems to do pretty well. And uh, I think I think I said uh, Chris Christie. He seems to be in this mainly to bring down Donald Trump. Uh, he's a smart guy. He can handle himself. He knows what he's talking about. But it seems as, as it comes across that his real reason for running is to stop Donald Trump, and I don't think that's going to work in a Republican primary. Understood. Um, Sunday morning, what else is bothering you besides uh, uh, who's going to be the next president? I mean, the migrant situation in in Long Island, in uh, New York City, now there's a rumor. There's a rumor around that they're trying to get people to West Hampton Airport. Yeah, the Britsky Airport uh, is, you know, the Air National Guard uh, base out there. There's a story in Newsday uh, the other day that uh, the word is that that's being looked as a uh, migrant location. Uh, that would be the east end of uh, uh, Long Island and Suffolk County. And then at the west end, we have the 1,000-person uh, uh, facility, the tent facility, uh, at the Creedmoor area, which is right on the Nassau County border. And the people in those communities, Flora Park, New Hyde Park, Lake Success, Manhasset, are very concerned about having a 1,000 uh, men who are, don't have jobs, who are here illegally, uh, no one really knows their statuses or exactly who they are, to have us a 1,000 people right on the edge of these wonderful communities. And besides Gabreski uh, G- G- Airport in Suffolk County, that's at the east end. Now, you're on the west end of uh, Long Island at, at the Nassau County border, at Queens and Nassau border. You have a 1,000 tent facilities set up. Uh, and the people in Fort Park, the people in Lake Success, the people in Manhasset, the people in New Hyde Park, all wonderful communities along the uh, city border are very concerned. There have a thousand men there. No one knows what their health situation is. No one knows if they have a criminal record. They're not going to be working, and they're going to be roaming around. And there's a real concern about them just walking across the border, coming into Nassau County. And there's nothing to do with their ethnic background or anything else. There's a thousand people who are here Ill- illegally and uh, are being basically wined and dined and have time on their hands. When you think, John, of what your uh, parents had to go through when they came here, in fact, what you had to go through as a child, uh, what my grandparents went through at Ellis Island, how they were checked and they were uh, had to be vetted, they had somebody sponsoring them, the whole thing was so detailed that uh, the community had some idea of who was moving in. Now we don't know who these people are, just a thousand Strangers from foreign countries, or foreign countries, uh, coming uh, again, you know, to a, a street next to you, and uh, uh, it's recently we've seen that in the last ten months of, of this fiscal year, more uh, people on the uh, terrorist watch list 
have come across the border, haven't, haven't stopped coming across the border, than in the previous five years combined. And uh, for those who were stopped, you imagine how many others were not stopped. So that's, again, five years. There's more this year than the previous five years combined. And so this is really a, it's a terrible situation. I know that Curtis is leading the attack in uh, uh, Staten Island and Queens. I mean, this is, uh, John, this is just wrong. Listen, I am pro-immigrant. I, my grandparents are immigrants. I grew up with immigrants. I think like, immigrants are the lifeblood and the lifeline of this country. That's what made us different and great, so much better than other countries. But it has to be done in a regulated, vetted way. You can't just open the doors to everyone, not knowing who they everybody are. Everybody has and to know who everybody is. They got to be checked exactly. for diseases. They got to, you know, we can't just allow the and, and the kids of these people going to school with our own kids. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and they got to be checked and see if they have any diseases when you before you put them in the classroom. John, I saw well, that several years ago when I was a congressman and. Uh, I represented a community like Central Islip and Brentwood, and they had the unaccompanied minors who came across the border in large numbers in 2014 and 2015. And I saw what that did to the local schools. They were put in the schools. You would have a 13-year-old kid with a first-grade education of that. The school has to try to accommodate that. None of them can speak English. They're staying with relatives, not with parents at all at home. Uh, and uh, just it was, so, it was so awkward, and it was so... Uh, challenging to the schools, and these are generally schools that don't have a great tax base to begin with. So this was a uh, uh, real, real hardship. And also MS-13, that's one of the ways that MS-13 came into Suffolk County. So these people thought they were innocent young kids. Some of them were the operatives of MS-13, or they had family members back in Central America who were being threatened by MS-13, and these kids had to do what they were told to do, and teachers were telling me how they were recruiting MS-13 other other Central American kids were being recruited into MS-13 or being threatened by these and kids. It's it crazy. It's situation. crazy. Congressman Peter King, thank you for t- telling us what the heck is going on, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. And uh, we'll see you on Monday tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow night, John. I'll be there with you. Thank you. You and Rita, thank, thank you. you. What we're waiting on Vito Facella on, John, just to let everybody know, because this is breaking right now, and you will not hear it anywhere else but here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, we heard from Curtis Lee at the top of the show. Curtis was talking about the shelter in That's Staten Island. That's yesterday's news. No, no, no. But here's the news. Overturned. That's what Curtis was saying is that they filed it, and now it looks like in the last few minutes they have overturned what it is, John, so people know it's a shelter in Staten Migrants. Island. Migrants, right migrants win, Staten Island loses. Wow, Vito's got, on the phone yeah, now. Vito, Vito. Wow. What, what the heck is going on? Well, another bad day for New York City and another bad day uh, for, for, unfortunately, the people in Staten Island. Uh, we, we had a glimmer of uh, victory today because a local judge, well, let me back up a step, we brought a, um, issued a call for a temporary restraining order for the conversion of the St. John's Villa to a migrant shelter. And the judge on Staten Island found for us on all four causes of action and not only ordered uh, a a TRO, temporary restraining order, but actually ordered a a vacate order to remove whoever was in the facility. And the city, unfortunately, took the step to call for an immediate appeal. And it was that was just a different judge. It was an appeal. It was an appeal. Went to the uh, we're in the second department, so I went to an appellate judge. And I, my understanding, it may even just be heard by a clerk, not even a judge. Uh, I have I have to confirm that. Uh, but the bottom line is, we're yeah, what judge is working at six o'clock on uh, Friday night? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Vito, are you saying that there was a temporary restraining order and that it was was issued, and now it's been lifted by appellate action? Is that what's happening? 
that's exactly right. As of about 20 minutes ago. So just so for layman's terms, Vito, uh, for folks who are listening, this is all breaking here. What you're saying is that uh, now the migrants are able to stay there. They're able to proceed with this. Is that the end result? Yes. If the city chooses, if uh, my understanding was they moved some out earlier today with the vacate order, but some stayed and there were different rumors as to were they squatters became squatters or did the city give them permission because the city at that time planned on appealing some left and now the question is will the city move them back in and they as of now have the right to move them back in and it's just a it's a travesty it really wow. is a, one of the worst things i've ever seen and i can't believe the hard-working people of this city of staten island are bit playing second and third fiddle to people who came from other parts of the country of the world many of them illegally and now are getting preference over hard-working people it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. You know, for people listening out there, uh, Vito Fasella, the Staten Island Borough President, explain to because we have been just shocked about the fact that this particular shelter is also right near uh, a school. It's a K through 12 school. It's like 20 feet away, right? Right across the street from St. John's Villa is St. Joseph Hill Academy. St. Joseph Hill Academy consists of a, a grammar school and an all-girls Catholic high school. And a block away from St. Joseph Hill Academy is PS39, which is an elementary school, and it's in one of the most restrictive residential areas in, in the city. And I just asked a fundamental question. If you had a 16-year-old daughter, would you want her 50 feet from a migrant shelter of young men coming from all parts of the world who are hanging out during the day and doing whatever the heck they want to do? And you and don't know who they are. Unconscionable. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they're from. It is unconscionable that somebody would put somebody's kid in, in harm's way like that. And God forbid something happens. So we're going to keep fighting. Don't know what uh, you know our next steps are at this point. But it is totally ridiculous that the city chose to do this. And we couldn't be more outraged at, at the situation. Borough President Vita Fasaya, wow. thank you for the update. We'll talk to you again, I'm sure, on Monday. Thank you so much, everybody. This is the Cash Roundtable. We'll be right back. Switching to Shopify helps you sell smarter at every stage of your business. Take full control of your brand with your own custom online store. Wow, looks amazing. Find more customers with our easy-to-use marketing tools. Piece of cake. And let the best converting checkout on the planet do its thing. Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Switch to Shopify today for a $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Been serving our citizens, serving our city, serving our state, serving our country. And for over oh, a zillion years, uh, one smart guy, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, what's on your mind this Sunday morning? John, I'm, I'm just, I'm upset about the direction that our country is taking us. And I think most American people are very upset about what the state of our nation is. I don't know if they get into it as deeply sometimes as you and I, but we're not headed in a good direction. It's a disaster. Our allies are looking at us. They're afraid now. And you have people who say, let's get out of of." Uh, what we're we're doing uh, with the Ukraines. Yeah, if you do that, what do you think you do with Russia? You embolden them. What do you think our allies, who are now beginning to wonder about the United States and its commitments, what do you do? The Russians become more aggressive. They go after Bulgaria, Hungary, etc. 
Well, yeah, our allies our are allies scratching their heads. One, this is a disaster. And by the way, there is a recovering alcoholic by the name of Oliver Anthony. And he just wrote a song. And this guy, I mean, he, he just stopped drinking. He had a real drinking problem up until recently. And he wrote this song. Listen to what it's called. Rich Men North of Richmond. North of Richmond, Virginia. And he's talking about what? Our nation's capital, 100 miles away. And the song goes on to describe how the rich men, meaning the United States Congress and the, and the administration, how Washington has forgotten the people, how the, how the people are facing all kinds of crises. you got to listen to the song. It, it, he describes how people are having a tough time, how Washington just does its own thing. It doesn't really care about the people who talks about it. Well, the, the one it, thing we it, know about Washington, they hate outsiders that want to change their way of life. That's why they hated Donald yeah. Trump. Uh, and they and hate anybody from the outside. And he's, he's talking about how, how they're just taking care of themselves and they forgot the country. Oliver Anthony's uh, song, Richmond, North of Richmond. And by the way, Here's this guy who was living out of a trailer when he wrote this. Uh, he was offered $8 million for the song. He turned them down. He now has millions of people following him. He's sought after. you got to give him credit. Uh, incredible. But it's the state of this country. Now, here we have a former president of the United States indicted for the fourth time. Let me say this to you. Number one, I think Trump did a good job as president. Number two, I say thank God for Mike Pence not going along with his thing and abdicating the the election. Uh, number three, Trump had every right in the world, as any candidate uh, does, to say, I think that the election was stolen. I, I don't agree. And he had the right. To challenge, to go to court, to raise, to, to ask uh, different officials, hey, check the results. All I need is 11,000 some odd votes in this thing. That's what I'd like you to try to find. No, he didn't say to make them. He was saying, if you can find that, I will have won your state. And, and for this, because a person has the nerve to, to come out and challenge the result, uh, you indict him? Come on. Rudy Giuliani and I, listen, I was responsible for him being made the U.S. attorney um, and he in, in New York, and he did a great job. He begged me for the job. I supported him. He got the position. He did, did a good job as mayor. Um, I, I, I broke with him when he and everybody forgets this, I mean, you remember, John, I won't get into it. He flew around the state three weeks before the gubernatorial election. Mario Cuomo was running, not Andrew. Mario's Andrew's dad and campaigned for the Democrat because he didn't want George Pataki to win 
because he wanted to be the most powerful Republican. Let me tell you well, that. That's the way. It, the doesn't that happen? Doesn't that happen in almost every party? Isn't that happening in the Democratic no, Party no, now? No, no, no. That almost never happens. Where an incumbent Democrat, a Republican, right, comes out uh, uh, for a Democrat on the other side, they don't agree, but they simply did not want there to be a Republican governor who would then become the number one person. Now, I give Giuliani credit for being a good mayor, for being a, a terrific U.S. attorney, but you don't betray your party. Um, uh, just for your own personal gain. But what they did to Giuliani now is wrong. You mean to tell me you're going to prosecute, go after an attorney who is fighting for his client? His client says, they stole the election. So he represents them. He's he's trying to show uh, where he can uh, that the election may have been uh, uh, the counting of the ballots mishandled, etc. You indict him for that? Give me a break. It's That's wrong. Terrible. You it's mean wrong look, what's going on? Country? Uh, In we, other we, words, you can't. It's a third world the country, uh, Senator D'Amato. It, it's it a third world country the way our legal department is handling uh, uh, what's going on right now. Well, it's the, it shows that uh, the once. A heralded FBI that people looked upon as saying this is a great organization to protect the people of the country has been turned around and used by the attorney general and by Biden uh, to prosecute those who, who might threaten their political uh, uh, standing. I don't more. blame the FBI. I blame the D- Department of Justice. I blame the Attorney General because he's calling every you're, shot, I think. You're right. But the fact of the matter is it has been corrupted. The Justice Department has been corrupted. You're right when you point to the leaders. And now they have this special prosecutor who's been following. They, By the way, they've allowed the statute of limitations to run out on Hunter Biden as it relates to a whole load of tax things because the secure statute has run. Can you believe that? What kind of special prosecutor? Um, what's going to do now if the statute of limitations has run out? And by the way, the guy was an appointee who has now been made special prosecutor just recently. He was appointed by Trump. He, he was uh, from Delaware. Now, how do you think he became, notwithstanding that Trump— I'm not a lawyer, him. but I understand it's against uh, policy or against the Constitution. I'm not sure that to uh, appoint uh, a special prosecutor that's not outside the, uh, the legal system right now. Well, here, here's the point. This guy has been covering up now for six years. He's been covering up. Biden, all right? They say, well, he was appointed by Trump for six years. Why do you think that Biden kept the guy there? Because they knew he could control him. He allowed the statute of limitations to run to out on some of the tax matters, etc. It, it, it stinks. Now, it stinks. It stinks. It, and oh. so that's why I— Senator, I we're that. out of time. 
But I want to thank you yep. for coming on, and I want to thank you for everything you do for for our people, for the United States of America, and speaking out the truth. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. And let me tell you this, John. Keep your people and keep your programs calling the facts the way they are, regardless of who they favor or don't. The people are entitled to the truth, and that's what your station stands for, fighting for the truth. Thank you so much, and you're absolutely correct. That's what I fight for is the truth, regardless of the sides. Thank you. Good being with you. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us right now is Eric Schuffler, president of the Fairy Hawks. Well, they're almost in first place, and, and they're doing great. I mean, they're doing better than every other baseball <laughs> team in New York. Eric, what, what say you? John, there is one pennant race in New York City in professional baseball, and it is on Staten Island with our Fairy Hawks. We have uh, an incredible season going on. We are two games back with 20 games to go. There are three teams battling each other. It is an exciting time for baseball in Staten Island. Well, you're playing all weekend this weekend, and uh, 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 Friday night there's a game, Saturday there's a game, Sunday there's a game. What time is Sunday's game? Sunday's game's at 4 o'clock. We've got SpongeBob coming out, the character favorite. We've got kids on the bases. It's a big weekend. We've got Long Island Ducks coming in, Wally Backman. They're one of the better teams in the league, our arch rival. Saturdays we do fireworks at the stadium. A lot of exciting stuff. Great baseball, great view, great Nathan's hot dogs. Now, you always tell me one thing is that – that uh, a family of four could go and enjoy themselves, and it's almost for nothing. John, we came up with a special package this year called the Family Fun Four Pack. For $99, you get four tickets, two buckets of chicken tenders, french fries, soft drinks, chips. It's become one of our most popular sellers because everybody wants to take your family of four to a ball game for under 100 bucks. And don't forget, we have the best view looking at the lower Manhattan skyline of any ballpark in America. I went last week, last Friday night, and I had a great time. We stayed for almost nine innings, and uh, those uh, I still love those Nathan's Frankfurters. There's nothing like those Nathan Frankfurters. And you know what else I had? Cracker Jacks. Cracker Jacks, the always me, fan favorite. Hey, how does the song go? Buy me some peanuts <laughs> and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever go back. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric Schiffler. And uh, I'm Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend, so I'm going to show up at one of the games. Yeah, big weekend. Four o'clock Sunday afternoon, SpongeBob, kids run the bases, great view, great summer afternoon, pennant race baseball in New York City. Thank you, Eric, and uh, uh, play ball. Then joining us now to talk about what's going on in the markets and also some really scary words coming from the Federal Reserve, uh, joining us is Lou Dobbs. Lou, um, you know, boy, you were just hearing all this stuff about the migrants and the cost it's taking, also on New York City. Give us a sense of what the latest is with the markets, because mortgage rates at an all-time high. All-time high. Who's going to buy a house? Nobody. And and, and Chairman Powell, I think, is threatening to raise his even more. Lou Dobbs, your floor. Rita, John, great to be with you. And uh, what we saw today is Jerome Powell pretending to be the the leader of monetary policy in this country. He's jawboning, in my opinion. Uh, he is, he's been doing the right thing. I will say that as well. He's been following the markets. He has backed off rates, but now he starts talking like a, you know, a thug. I, the fact is we need sophisticated leadership here monetarily. We need it in fiscal policy, which is as equally a disaster. Uh, and I mean, where do you turn for leadership in this country right now? The market is awakening to what is uh, right now uh, one of the most critical, critical 
pivotal points in our in our country's history. We are we just besieged by all sorts of challenges and indeed threats. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve chairman today talking about raising rates. We are also the beneficiaries of the most sustained low unemployment rate in the country's history, under four percent. It is, frankly, I consider it something of an economic miracle. But these fools, when they want to play, are going to uh, bring uh, the wrath of the uh, economic gods down upon them. And, of course, the people who will pay are those uh, whose uh, unemployment rate right now are very low. They will go higher. Small businesses already entrapped in this. We're talking about 8.5% prime rates. Uh, We're looking at uh, rates so outrageously high for the uh, 30-year mortgage uh, rate that uh, if there were were inventory, it wouldn't sell. Uh, The only part of the market that's moving, you wouldn't be surprised by this, million-dollar houses and above, million-dollar apartments and above. Uh, This is – Those people just write a check. They they just write a check, those people. Exactly. They're they're rate-free. Again, and, uh, again, Lou, what I've said on Fox many times, what I've said at every place many times, they are hurting the poor and the middle class. The rich are not getting affected. Well, for the, for the first time, the last few months, we've seen actually real wages rise. It's the first time it's happened under the Biden administration. And now they're cooing like they want to uh, uh, go after the markets. They want to they can't manage fiscal policy. They'll try uh, monetary policy. Uh, it's it's truly a disgusting uh, to me uh, situation that we find ourselves in. You know, we Lou, have, um, Lou, I'll tell you, I was disappointed, Lou, the other day on the debates um, because I was like, I, I first of all, I think the economy should have been a much bigger issue in the debates, the GOP primary debate. And I didn't hear any of them, you know, and I'd like to hear everybody running for president. What is their plan? They, they really didn't present a, a plan, a forward-looking plan, Lou. Well, it was, you know what uh, Ryan's previous said? Ryan's previous says it was the junior varsity on that uh, running. Well, the, the, the eco- economic the message that, is, is that. I think the answer to, to Ryan's is he should know. Uh, the fact of the matter is this is a, a, a junior varsity. They should be so lucky. Uh, the reality is that not one of those person, uh, persons on that stage could make a rational statement about why he or she uh, should be leading the United States and the free world. I mean, it's, it's a frightening thought that these people are that delusional about their own capacities uh, and their own uh, place in history. This is a, a, a bizarre time. But, you know, when you think about it, when we've got an impaired uh, and compromised president like Joe Biden in the White House, you know, the, the bar isn't very high, is it? You're absolutely not very high. Uh, the, the thing we said this afternoon, uh, Lou, uh, was the fact that uh, if they raise interest rates even further, it's destroying the real estate market, both consumers and for apartment buildings, construction for apartments. And then it's reducing the value of real estate in banks' portfolio, reducing the value uh, uh, of uh, bonds in their portfolio in the in the bank's portfolio. So then it's going to create a, an additional problem for the banks. So we're going right. to lose the real estate, and then we're going to lose the financial institution. And we, when that happens, we'll be losing the economy, as I suggested. Uh, we have we have to have some people stand up here. I mean, I'm I'm watching Jamie Dimon at Chase Manhattan. If he can't make money. But with that bank, he can't make money. And the fact of the matter is we don't have leaders standing up and talking about paths forward uh, with a, with a, at least a, a broader uh, horizon about who is affected here. When you're talking real estate, we're talking about development. We're talking construction. 
We're talking about lending across the board. And the country is right now on a nice edge of moving to where we're. And and the next shoe, the next shoe is going to fall after that, after the banks. The banks are going to lend no money to small businesses. The banks are going to close up, and that's really going to create an economic problem for the whole country. So, so you control inflation and destroy the country? I don't understand it. Maybe you could explain it. Well, I, I can't explain how these people even got where they are. The truth, John, I mean, Powell is not an economist. Uh, that doesn't qualify, uh, but he's not a banker either. This is John Katzmatidis. If you want to hear the full interview, go to wabcradio.com. Thank you for being with us for the Cats Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Cats Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news.